When the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, they were concerned. They were concerned because they had been expecting Jesus to come back very soon after his ascension into heaven. When Jesus didn't, and as some of their loved ones were dying, they were wondering what would happen to a Christian brother or sister, a husband, a wife, a friend, family member who had died. What was going to happen to them at this point? So this morning I would like to talk about the results of the resurrection. Please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you. Let me introduce this by looking at death from some different perspectives. For example, death from a child's perspective. Here are some comments from children that they would begin talking about death from fourth graders and some of their thoughts. One child wrote down, when somebody dies, they go up either to heaven or to hell. If you go to hell, the devil tortures you. Another child wrote, this is a lot of, there's a lot of crying, there's very little eating when a person dies. Another commented, when you die, you don't have to do homework in heaven. Unless your teacher is there too. (laughs) Another classic comment from children, a good doctor can help you so you won't die. A bad doctor sends you to heaven. One child wrote down, only the good people who believe in Jesus go to heaven. The other people go to where it's hot all the time, like Florida and Texas. (laughs) Finally, when somebody dies, they dress them up in their best clothes, pick up the material off for their coffin. The family cries a lot. Other people come to see them in the coffin. Some people, after the funeral, go to the cemetery to see them get buried. But as soon as they die, if they believe in Jesus, they go up to heaven. And Jesus takes them into his kingdom to live with him forever. And when judgment day comes, he will take our bodies and we will be made perfect once again. Full comment was over a page long from that child. That's death from a child's perspective. Let me share with you death from a secular perspective. A fellow by the name of Doss wrote a book. It was for a group called Forest Lawn. It's about death as seen from people's eyes in secular American life. He writes down, we try to deny death by the way we refer to the aspects of death in the funeral. If a person dies in the hospital, generally people do. It's announced that the patient has expired. The attending physician signs vital statistic forms. The patient is no longer a patient, now becomes a loved one. The remains of a loved one are removed to the mortuary where family make arrangements for a memorial service. After preparations, the loved one is placed in a slumbering room, sometimes called a reposing room. The newspaper says, Mr. Jones, beloved father, has passed away. Doss concludes in his article, the language used attempts to soften the reality and the harshness of death. 
That's death from a secular perspective. Ann Landers, she gives another perspective where she wrote about a preacher who was extolling the virtues of a very leading citizen during his eulogy. He writes, We have here now only the shell. The nut is gone. Years ago, Joe Simmons, one of our members, gave me a cartoon where the placement of crosses on public property was being protested as being more offensive to the public than a nearby adult bookstore. It reminded me of an editorial where a person was writing. He said, I don't understand why atheists are so complaining about crosses on hilltops. According to Webster's Dictionary, an atheist is one who denies the existence of God. The atheist denies the birth of Jesus. Basically, the atheist believes in nothing. The editorial continues. And as I look at most mountaintops and hills, I see nothing on them. So it appears that the atheists have many more hills with nothing on them than Christians have that have crosses on them. Nothing hills outnumber hills with crosses about a million to one. So I would think that atheists would be excited to have their view represented so well. In 1925 A.D., Aristides, the Greek scholar, on explaining the very success of the Christianity, he writes, If any religious man among Christians passes from this world, they rejoice. They offer thanks to God. They escort the body with songs and thanksgiving, as if they were setting out from one place to another. Aristides said, Christians are successful because of the unique way that they view death. Instead of mourning and tearing their clothing and putting on sackcloth and ashes, as the world looks upon death, the Christians, they rejoice. They sing songs of praise as if the person is going from one world to another. When the epistle of 1 Corinthians was written, especially this resurrection chapter, chapter 15, there are three things to consider. So in your notes, three considerations of the resurrection chapter. Number one is the man. We must look at the man who wrote it. It was the Apostle Paul. He was the chief enemy of Christianity. It was the resurrection of Jesus and Paul seeing him alive that turned this man who was creating havoc for the early church. Paul became its greatest missionary, its greatest spokesman. Number two, the second consideration in your notes is the message. When Paul wrote chapter 15, he said that of all the things that he had said, this message is the most important. This message on the resurrection is of the highest importance of all the things that I've written to you. See, he realized that the resurrection message was essential to the faith of a Christian church. Paul realized that without the resurrection message, there was no vital faith. Number three in your notes. We consider the witnesses. Others were eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
The Apostle Paul talks about that fact that there were. There was Peter called Cephas. There was James. Then he says hundreds of others who were eyewitnesses and both Peter and James, they met with Jesus after the resurrection. In Galatians, we also see that Paul, he went to see both Peter and James three years after the conversion on the Damascus Road. He went there just to talk to them about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, Paul is now pointing to some of these very people in chapter 15. Paul is saying, they're still alive now. This is about 20 years later when Paul was now writing to the Corinthians in this letter. And Paul is saying, you can still go and talk with those who saw the resurrection, who saw Jesus alive. They will tell you about Jesus. They will tell you about the times that they saw Jesus, what Jesus said about touching him, about eating with him. So this morning I want to look at seven results of the resurrection. In your notes, number one, the resurrection makes salvation a reality. Looking at 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Paul writes, For what I receive, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. The resurrection makes your salvation, makes my salvation, a certain reality. If Christ just died on a cross, it might show that he was a marvelous man. He might be a good man, a martyr. We would respect him for those things. But none of these things validate Jesus for who he really was and do not assure us of our salvation. Because it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we celebrate every single Sunday that makes Christian faith come alive. In your notes, number two, the resurrection validates the uniqueness of Jesus. So number one, it makes our salvation a reality. Number two, the resurrection validates the uniqueness of Jesus. Just look at Romans 1, verse 4. And who through the spirit of holiness, he was declared with power to be the Son of God. How? By his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, the resurrection sets Jesus apart, apart from all the other great men of this world. We can mention world religious leaders like Buddha and Confucius and Muhammad, but every one of them are dead. Only Jesus arose from the dead. Only Jesus lives today. In your notes number three, the third result of the resurrection is the resurrection initiates the gospel. In fact, if Jesus did not arise from the dead, we have no good news. There was no gospel to go and to tell. All we would have is sad news, bad news, about a good man who simply died. But it's the resurrection that introduces the gospel to its good news. Number four in your notes. The resurrection means that Jesus can be known today. Four results of the resurrection. The resurrection makes salvation a reality, validates the uniqueness of Jesus, initiates the gospel, and it means that Jesus can be known today. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17 to 20. We read, if Christ 
has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. See, the resurrection means that we can know Jesus in a personal way. The Bible says in 1 John alone, 21 times, that we can know Jesus, not just knowing about God, but having an intimate relationship with him. Many people, they do have knowledge about Christ. They have some knowledge about the Easter event. But the good news about the resurrection is that you and I can know Jesus personally. Jesus can be known. In your notes number five, the resurrection robs Satan and death. Looking at 1 Corinthians 15 again. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. And the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. The mortal with immortality. So when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. Thanks be to God. Why? Because he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection assures each one of us that we will not only live, but that Satan, the power of death, has been robbed of its sting. In your notes number six, the resurrection, it gives victory. It gives victory to those who trust Jesus. Six results here of resurrection. The resurrection makes salvation a reality, validates the uniqueness of Jesus, initiates the gospel, means Jesus can be known today rob Satan and death of their sting. And the resurrection gives victory to those who trust in Jesus. Just look at 1 Peter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive what? The crown of glory that will never fade away. The resurrection of Jesus gives us that victory. The power that raised Jesus from the dead sets us free from the very grip of evil. The Christian has that assurance to celebrate every single Sunday. A victory. And then in your notes number seven, the resurrection is encouraging strength to every Christian. Looking at 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul writes, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor and the Lord is not in vain. The resurrection gives the hardships, the sufferings of this life, a new perspective. In the light of Christ's victory over sin and death, the Christian is called to be stable, to stand firm. A Snoopy cartoon recently pictures Snoopy's out in his doghouse. He's typing away a novel, and he starts out all of his novels Always the same way. 
It was a dark and stormy night. Lucy comes along. She looks at that phrase. She says, Snoopy, that's not the way you start a novel. He says, what do you mean? She says, you always, always start a novel with the words, once upon a time. That's the way you start a good novel. Snoopy climbs back on his doghouse. He puts a fresh piece of paper into his typewriter. He begins to pound away the second time, typing, once upon a time, it was a dark and stormy night. Once upon a time, it was dark and stormy night. And that was the first Good Friday, when our Lord Jesus was crucified on the cross. Literally, the hopes of all the disciples were at an all-time low. So they wrapped up the body of Jesus, placed it in a tomb. The Jews put Roman guards at the very tomb, put the seal of the Roman Empire across it. But on Easter, Jesus Christ arose from the dead. He broke the chains of sin, death, and Satan. And because he lives, you and I can know, and we can experience the results of his resurrection. The resurrection makes salvation our reality, validates the uniqueness of Jesus, initiates the gospel, means Jesus can be known, robs Satan and death of their sting, gives victory to us who believe and trust in Jesus, is encouraging strength for all believers. And we can sing every Sunday, this is the feast of victory for our God, hallelujah. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood sets us free to be people of God. This is the feast of victory for our God, hallelujah, amen. May the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, amen.